So Boudreaux and Thibodeau, you know, Boudreaux, he's not a Christian. I don't know if you don't know that, but Boudreaux, he's not a Christian. And so Boudreaux, he's, he's playing golf, he and Thibodeau, man. And, you know, when Boudreaux plays, he plays for money. And uh, he and Thibodeau playing for money, and they've been playing all day long, and they get to the 18th hole. And Boudreaux, if he, meet, if he makes this 15-foot putt, he wins all the money. They pay for about $50 a hole. They into it. Boudreaux, very fo- he's very selfish, you know. And about that time, he lines up his putt. You know, he looks, and, and he measures it, and he gets, a, uh, gets his little eyeball out there going. He's about to hit the putt, and all of a sudden, coming down the highway is a, an entire funeral procession. The hearse is up front and all that. And all of a sudden, Boudreaux stops takes his hat off and holds it over his chest and just sits there for a, for a moment. And Thibodeau, he goes, he can't believe it. He ain't never seen Boudreaux show respect to anybody. Nobody, he don't care. He done known him 35 years, and he ain't never seen him show any respect to anybody. And, man, when the final last car, it must have taken 10 minutes. When the last car with the headlights drove past, Boudreaux put his hat back on, went and lined back up his putt, and Thibodeau said, wait a minute, wait a minute. He said, I done known you 35 years. Ever since we were little kids, he said, in 35 years, I ain't never seen you do nothing. Like, that was the most amazing act of respect. I'd never seen that in my whole life. And Boudreaux said, yeah, well, I was married to her 25 years, so it was the least we could do. We titled the message today, Love Much. <laughs> love Much. Or you could say it like this, Much Love. Turn to the person next to you and say, Much Love. There you go. Tell them again, say, Much Love. Our key scripture is found in Luke chapter 7. And verse 47, if you'll turn there quickly, we'll be reading out of the book of Luke. But we've extracted out of the storyline this one little piece, and it's kind of our key scripture, Luke chapter 7 and verse 47. Now, if you'll keep with me quick, I'll get us out in time for you to get back and see the game. Come on, somebody. Isn't that awesome? Actually, you guys don't even know they're playing. You're the real Christians because all the other guys showed up at first service. All right, here we go. Luke chapter 7. Or either that or you have DVR. Either way, I get it. All right, it says this, it says, therefore I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Let's look at Luke chapter 7. That was extracted out of this whole passage, out of the book of Luke chapter 7. And we're going to read about 14, 15 verses here of this storyline where Jesus interacts with this uh, woman who the Bible calls a sinful woman and a Pharisee, uh, which we know to be Simon the leper. And in this uh, storyline, Jesus has uh, healed, uh, in the earlier part of chapter 7, he has healed a centurion servant uh, He and said, I've not seen this much faith in all of Israel. Um, he has raised the young man from the dead. And then he comes into this town and, uh, and he's... It's probably spoken at their synagogue, and then he's invited over to the Pharisee's house. So let's pick up in verse 36 of Luke chapter 7. It says, And now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured out perfume on them. Verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, who did he say this to? Try it again. To who? Himself. If this man were really a prophet, he would know who is touching him and would, what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Who did he say this to? And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Don't you love it when you're talking to yourself? 
and Jesus reads your mind. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> anyway, and he says, he says, tell me, tell me, teacher. And he refers to him as teacher. Tell me, spiritual leader. Tell me, rabbi, Pharisee. Tell me, teacher. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet, wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I've entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. And then Jesus said to her, your sins are are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Father, I pray that over the next couple minutes that you would help me actually teach your word the way you want it taught, Lord God, that men and women in this room would begin to have revelation of who you are, how you love them, and what you've done for them, Lord, that they may respond with much love instead of little love, that each and every one of us would find ourselves more like this sinner woman who had came to a place of pardonship and came to a place of real love than opposed to the person who grew up in church all his life, like Simon, who has come to a place where he has little love. I pray that, Lord, by the end of this service, each and every one of us will be deeply in love and grateful for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, everybody shouted amen and amen. So as the storyline happens, or what transpires in this moment, is there's a Pharisee named Simon. And a Pharisee, if you don't know, you may have heard little songs about it from, um, you know, from vacation Bible schools, but a Pharisee and Sadducees, they were the two ruling groups of people in Jewish religiosity. And they were the ones who, if you would, studied the Torah, studied the words of the Old Testament, and then translated them to how the people should live. And, um, and so what they would find themselves doing is two factions fighting against each other on certain things like, you know, uh, resurrection of the dead and things like that. And so, and so Pharisaical is a term that is used to mean someone who's hypocritical. We use that now like that because they were, as Jesus called them, whitewashed tombs. In other words, they had a form of godliness but denied its power. In other words, they stood and, and told the people what they should do to live holier for God, but they themselves were full of greed and, and full of judgmentalism and the, all this whole thing. And Jesus, when he comes to the planet, he gets mad at nobody but them. The religious leaders of the day. You see him having grace with the murderers. You see him loving the, the prostitute, the sexually deviant behaviors folks. He loves them. But with the religious who do not love him, who will not embrace him, who do not actually love God with all of their heart, he rebukes them and calls them whitewashed tombs. So a Pharisee invites Jesus into his home. Now what has probably transpired is Jesus has spoken that day at the temple, or excuse me, at the synagogue. And it was custom that when a visiting rabbi had come through and had spoken in the synagogue that someone of stature, someone of importance, usually a pharisaical leader of some sort, would then invite that rabbi into their home and have a 
banquet or a dinner for them. And what they would do is they would put out their spread and they would have their servants, you know, uh, wash their feet as they came in the door. And any party member that had come with that traveling rabbi would be welcomed. And in this particular incident, as we can see, which was often custom, that the Pharisee obviously invited the other people in the community, kind of put a general throw it out there. Hey, guys, after the service, after the service, we're going to be heading over to my house and, uh, and Pastor Adam's going to be ministering or just eating with us. And you can ask him any questions that he wasn't able to talk about there at the service. And that's kind of what they were doing with Jesus, if you will, to kind of having a banquet style interaction. And he probably was continuing on teaching the deep truths with, Je- you know, you know uh, deep talks with Jesus is kind of what it was. The green room afterwards with Jesus and just kind of a laid back eating and interacting environment, which was where you get a lot of the deep truths happening. If you've ever been in that environment where, you know, a, a person who's someone you really respect in the Lord and you get a chance to take them to dinner afterwards and they start pouring out their heart, not a public pronouncement, but a private interaction. It's really cool. And so that's what's transpiring. And so I tried to set the scene a little bit so you could kind of get a middle picture of how these things transpired. Now, a few years ago, Jamie and I had the privilege to go to Israel and, uh, and we actually got to uh, go eat in a, a Bedouin camp, which would be similar of a style of what it looked like in Jesus' time. So we got a couple pictures. So here's me, uh, uh, the shepherd pastor out of McCain, carrying you and your family on my shoulders. Anyway, so... And there we are, isn't she beautiful? And then how about this next one? So here's the Bedouin camp where they literally set out the meal for us. And so when it talks about that they went and had a meal together, you and I would picture the way we eat. You know, we'd sit at a table uh, or some of you guys said, you know, you had the, the higher, the cool bar tables now that, that have the higher chairs. And, uh, or, you know, some of you, you know, you don't eat at the table. You eat at the couch on a TV tray. Or wait, wait, let me fix that. Actually, for this generation, you actually eat with your hands as you drive through. McDonald's and drive your car. So there you go. But this is kind of what it looked like. Give another the next picture. The next picture shows. So what they would have is some type of small, if you or excuse me, short table with the food placed on it. And then they would have these scenarios, and you can see it in, in our picture, these kind of pillowy type scenarios. So Jesus would have been reclining at the table like this, and he would have been eating if, probably with his left hand, and reclining and eating like this and talking. And they would be passing things, and they would be passing the, uh, the homas and the uh, pita bread. Uh, what we have is Texas pita bread. I think we call that tacos. Um, there you go. And, so they would, and they would be dipping into the sauces and eating it. And so as Jesus is doing that, the table would have been a little lower, but he would have been reclining on, on a pillows like this. As he's doing that, where's his feet? Kind of behind him, if you will. So what has transpired is everyone else is in the room. And the people who were invited uh, publicly, they could just kind of come. There was a, if you will, there was an etiquette to being invited to come to a meal like that. First and foremost, you knew that you weren't part of the party guests that were being fed. So your role was to, your opportunity was to get to listen to the interaction, but you weren't necessarily being fed. And so there would be people standing all around just listening and, 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 and getting to hear the wisdom. And they would not, if there are a couple of etiquette pieces, first of all, they wouldn't have been able to open their mouth and ask any questions. They should, their, their goal, their role would be to sit there and get the opportunity to listen, but keep your mouth shut. Come on. Have you ever had anybody start interrupting your staff meeting it's like look just because we let you come in don't mean you need to say anything be quiet and so that and that would have been an etiquette piece also there would have been an etiquette piece to to not draw attention to yourself because we're listening to the rabbi but in this scenario 
And as Jesus is reclining at the table, there at Simon the leper's house, uh, the Pharisee, uh, all of a sudden, some lady is standing behind him, and she's probably standing there, and all of a sudden, she starts weeping uncontrollably to the place that her tears begin to fall. And as they fall, I'm sure she opens her eyes and notices that they're falling on Jesus' feet. And in that response, she gets down, and she begins to take her hair, and she begins to dry them and weep over him and begin to just cry and wash his his feet, if you will, with her hair and with her tears. And then in the midst of doing that, this woman has brought an alabaster jar. And what she's got is this, this, um, this holding jar piece of thing that has this very expensive perfume. While she's down there, which she's probably already planned to do in some kind of capacity, she breaks it open and pours out this expensive perfume, which now fills the room with aroma. Now, this ticks the, ticks the Pharisee off for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, she's drawing attention. The rabbi is speaking. The Pharisee wants to prove how much scripture he knows. So he's in somewhat of a little undercurrent jab debate with the king of glory because he doesn't halfway respect him because he doesn't know if he's the Messiah. He doesn't really believe he is the Messiah. And so as a result, you know, people are saying he is. And so this guy's got him in his house where he can kind of do some sucker punches and get some little interaction going. And now all of a sudden this woman (laughs) is drawing attention to herself. And so everybody's standing around and looking at her, and they're not listening to Jesus. And then she starts touching his feet intimately and rubbing them and crying and wiping it with her hair. And in this moment, he has this thought. This guy is not a prophet. I don't care if he raised somebody from the dead or not. There is no way he's a prophet because if he were a prophet, he would know that she is wicked. And everyone knows that etiquette is that wicked people cannot have intimate touch with a prophet. They cannot let their sinfulness touch a man of God. Come on, some of that junk still uh, expires in this day. And he has to be separated from it. Jesus, on the other hand, he ain't, get, get off of me, woman. What's wrong with you? He don't do any of that. He's just steadily talking, eating, and she's... <laughs> Why? Because something has transpired in her. And as you read through the passage, you get a sense that she's had some type of interaction with Jesus or she's had some type of interaction with the Lord. Many scholars believe that this is Mary Magdalene. Many believe that she was, had been a prostitute and, uh, and that she had had some type of interaction with Jesus before this moment that got her to a place of forgiveness and she had been pardoned of her sin and that she went home and grabbed her alabaster jar and came and found that he was at uh, the Pharisee's house and then, and then he, she was there. And in response of love, she couldn't help but cry out and pour out her tears on his feet and wash his feet with her hair and Simon is mad about it and in that moment of being mad about it Jesus says reads his mind and says hey Simon let me ask you a question yes sir because they're in a debate scenario anyway he said let's say there are two fellows they both owe money one owns uh, owes uh, you know 500 denarii another one 50 to the same lender Neither one of them are going to have to be able to pay, so they're both going to jail. It doesn't matter that yours is less and his is more. You're both going to jail because you're default on your loan. But the lender decides to have grace and extends grace, and they're both their debts are forgiven. In other words, the lender takes the loss on behalf of those two. Which do you think would be more excited about that, more grateful? And he said, well, I guess the one who, uh, who owed the most. He goes, you have judged correctly. And then he turned to him. He said, Son, from the moment I walked in your house, you didn't do what was proper. You were supposed to have my feet washed. 
or at least provide me with water where I could wash my own feet. Because remember, they wore open-toed sandals, little leather strap on the, a little leather, leather piece on the bottom, and just straps holding it around their feet. And so everywhere they went, the dirt and the grime, because they, they didn't have paved roads like we have. All that would be in there, their toenails and between their toes and dirt and grime and sweat. Come on, you, you work out in the yard sometimes. And all that is all over them. And so to go to, to go to have dinner with someone, they were to provide, because they didn't live there, they were to provide some way to, clean, to wash themselves. And then what would happen is the moment you walked into someone's house, and if they had any real respect for you, they would grab you as was customary and embrace you and kiss you to say, oh, thank you for gracing my home. You did not kiss me. Yet since the moment that she started weeping and washing my feet with her hair, she has not failed to stop kissing my feet. And then you never anointed me with oil. See, in those days, and this will be for all you guys that love your little essential oils. In those days, they would have literally essential oils. And because they had been uh, walking and tiresome in the heat, they would take uh, essential oils on a rag or something like that, and they would wipe their face with it. And, you know, you get that, you know, get that nice eucalyptus smell going, and now you're revived and refreshed and now all of a sudden your pores are open and all of a sudden your pimples go in whatever you essentially want to do you know and that's exactly what they would do she has taken the most expensive of all and many believe that this was the result of her prostitution that she had been saving up and saving up so that she could get out of that lifestyle and this represented all of her labor of wickedness to try to get out of it and she takes this and she pour, and she pours it all over my feet and you, Simon, haven't even respected me enough to even give me water to wash my feet. See, she loves me because she's been pardoned. You love me because it's your duty. This is the interaction that I want to have with you today. Do we love him because it's our duty, or do we love him because we recognize that once I was a sinner, but grace was poured out on me. I was a debtor, but he forgave my debt. Come on, friend. Once I was lost, but now I see. Once I was blind, but now I see. Come on, are you with me? This is the God that we serve and our response in love. What I love, and I want to teach you these three things that she did. I think that there are three appropriate responses, and I want you to write these down with me. And I'm calling these three love response actions. Three love response actions. When you recognize what God's done for you, there should be a love response action. You should act upon it. When you recognize, I don't know if you've thought about it lately, but you do realize that you should be burning in hell. You do get that, right? You do get, whether you owed 500 denarii or 50 denarii, you're still default on the loan. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And when she recognizes that she's been pardoned, she has this love response. Jesus later calls it much love. And obviously Simon's is little love. So let's look at her three love responses. And maybe we could do the same. The first love response that she has with Jesus, number one, and that is an emotional gratefulness. There should be emotional gratefulness when you recognize that once you were lost, but now you're found. That you should, you should be thinking about that every day. You should wake up every day and say, thank you, Jesus. Oh, my God, I don't deserve what you've done. You say, well, you know, I've been a Christian a long time. Friend, I'm not even talking about that. How about the fact that you didn't die in a car accident last week when it was raining and you could have spun out of control and be dead? How about a little bit of grateful love relationship with him for the fact that your kid is still alive and doing well and serving Jesus? How about a little, you know what, God, I don't deserve it, but you've given me a great home to live in and a great community to be a part of it. You could be living somewhere else. You could have been sold into sex trafficking, but God. 
God had his hand on your life, you and I should be grateful. And there should be an emotional gratefulness in our response to that. With her, it was tears. You know, you do yourself good every now and then to just sit and remember all that God's done and let the tears flow a little bit. Say, Lord, I thank you. I thank you. Because I know where I would be were it not for your grace. Here's the second love action that she moved in, and that was a physical effort. She washed his feet. She physically did something. I meet people all the time that think that their relationship with the Lord and their expression of love just needs to be from their heart. just needs to be from my heart. Friend, I tell you something. If Jamie only loved me from her heart, we wouldn't have a very good marriage. There should be a physical effort connected to that. I can say I love her all day long, but if I don't bring home the bacon, let her fry it up in a pan. Anyway, if I don't do my part, if I don't take out the trap, I can talk about love all day long, but there should be some type of physical effort connected. She begins to wash his feet with her own hair. She's washing it, and she's touching, and she's massaging, and she's pushing all the dirt away from him as she does it with her tears and her hair. Friend, there's a physical... That's why I don't get it. I don't understand why you won't lift your hands before the Lord in worship. Do you know what he's done for you? You'll see me. I'm dancing, not because, because I, I'm trying to show out. I'm dancing because I know where I would be had it not been for his mercy and grace. I am grateful that he loves me. I don't understand how we can shout and yell for a football team and can't shout and yell for Jesus Christ. And that's, again, I'm not, I'm not dogging anybody out. I'm just saying to you, there should be a real love response to the grace that's been poured out on us. It should be. It should be this way. And then the third love response that we see her, the action that she takes, number three, put that up there, is there's a valued sacrifice. She pours out the most valuable thing she has on his feet. One of the other gospels, it says that Judas gets mad. That money could have been, that could have been used and sold and made, that money could have been used to help poor people. And Jesus looks at him and says, listen, you got poor people with you forever. You only got me for just a little bit of time. What she did is beautiful. She made a valued sacrifice. Oh, people tell me they love the Lord all the time, but I never see them make any kind of sacrifice to prove that. Put your money where your mouth is, is how I say it. There should be this real deal. I'm not doing, saying this to try to get money out of you guys. I, that's not the point. The point is this, is when real love, think about that. How much do you love your kids? How much, how much love sacrifice have you made? I mean, huh? you put them through the best schools you can put them in. You, got, you get them the best clothes you can afford. You make crazy sacrifice because you love them. There should be some type of value connected to this love that we have for Jesus, for this gratefulness. There wasn't a whole lot of that with Simon, but there was a whole lot of that with this lady who the Bible calls a sinner, who we probably know to be Mary Magdalene. Unbelievable how this thing transpires. And as she does this, Simon gets ticked off, and he can't really handle it. And he says in his mind, how can this guy, supposed to be a prophet, let this happen? And then Jesus gives this cool story, and I love it. He says, Simon, one guy owes 500, another guy owes 50. Both debts, are, both debts are forgiven. Which one do you think will love more? And he says, obviously, the one who's been give, forgiven the most. And then Jesus makes it a really, a, almost a doctrinal concept. He says, that's right, because those who've been forgiven much, loveth much. And obviously, Simon, those who've forgiven little, loveth little. In other words, express that love, shows that gratefulness, are excited about that. And again, because Simon was loving out of duty, whereas this young lady was loving out of gratefulness. I don't want to love out of duty. I don't want to grow up in the church my whole life and love God because that's what I'm supposed to do. I want to love him because I recognize what he's done. I want to love him because I've been pardoned. Because I re- whether it was 50 or whether it was 500, it's still, I'm still indebted. 
Whether it was a great debt or a small debt based on your evaluation, it doesn't matter. All of us should be sent straight to hell, but for grace. For he loves us while we were yet sinners, and he died for us. Isn't that good? Somebody ought to shout amen for that. Now, Adam Clark said something very powerful about this passage. I'll throw it up on the screen for you. He said it like this. He said, her love was the effect of her pardon, not the cause of it. And we'll get, let that sink in for a moment because I want to make sure we don't get any false doctrine in here. That her love was the effect of her being pardoned, not the cause of it. What he was saying, and, and what I would teach you today is, she didn't love God. Excuse me. She didn't show love, 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 and then he pardoned her. He pardoned her, and her response was love. Does that make sense? And the reason why that's important, because otherwise, then you'll try to live by your own works, which is what Simon was doing. By your own good deeds. Well, if I go to church, and, uh, and I give some good tithes, and I serve a little bit at the church, and, uh, and then I'm good, to my, I'm good to my family, and I don't cheat on my wife, then God should be pleased with me, and as a result of that, he should give me good things. What happened was she recognized she was wicked and sinful, and Jesus pardoned that, and her response to that pardon was love, 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 love. Does that make sense? That's why it makes me mad when people call themselves Christians, but they don't show any love for Jesus. And the Bible says you're a liar. That's what it calls it. He says, you're a liar. If you say that, and you love not the Lord. He says, you're lying to yourself. And the reason that is is because what happens in some of us is we think that we can do it in and of our own strength, that we can be good, that we can do good. And Frank, can I tell you, there are a lot of good people who are in hell because they never surrendered themselves to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. And that's so heartbreaking. I met Hundreds of them, thousands over the years who are literally saying, well, if I'm good, shouldn't that be, shouldn't he let me in if I'm good? Friend, in our best, goodest day, we still fall short of the glory of the Lord. We still fall, but for grace and the pardon that he gives. So with that being said, let me give you a couple thoughts on what causes that little love, if you will. What causes our love to be little? Because my goal in this message and my goal for you, my goal for Adam McCain is this, that I wouldn't be a person with little love, but I'd be a person with much love. That I'd be a person who loves much. Is that what you want to say? Yes. So let's identify some of the things that causes the little love. First and foremost, number one, familiarity. Familiarity. What has transpired with Simon is that he has grown up in church his whole life. He is a doctrinal guru in his own mind. And he feels as though I know him and I know God and I know what God wants. I'm a defender of the faith. And so as a result of all this familiarity, guess what? He doesn't even recognize the Messiah sitting in his living room. He doesn't even see it. You know why? Because he thinks in his mind that he is now taken for granted that God owes him something because he's, he's been a good person. He is too familiar. Uh, I'll tell you a story in reference to this. It's, I've told it before, but it's my story, so I'll tell it again. Years ago, I was preaching this young adult conference. It was a three-day conference. I think it was like in El Paso or something. Hundreds and hundreds of 20-somethings. And <clears throat> on the front row, it was three-day. I was the evening speaker for all three days and uh, all three nights. And there's a guy sitting right here on the front row. The whole time I'm speaking, he's just looking at me. Arms folded the whole time. Every time I'd say something, roll his eyes, look away. I mean, I mean, sitting on the front row, if you're going to do that, at least sit on the back row where I can't see you, right? And the whole time, he's just, you know, and I'm just, it's, I'm just like driving me insane, right? And, I'm, and I'm, I'm preaching, you know, some of you, I ain't going to point any of you out. You just got devils. You need to repent. No, I didn't do that. But anyway, I wanted to. And it was back and forth, back and forth a couple nights. And then the last night, I'm in prayer, and I was like, God, let's get this dude now. Come on, let's get him, Jesus. 
And I just made up my mind. I don't care what happens. I'm leaving in the morning. I'm flying out tonight after service anyway. I'm going to get this sucker and see what's the deal. And so I preach, man. Altars are full. Every night people are just repenting, crying out to God. I'm crying out to God. It's awesome. He's not. He's sitting there like this. So, so I finish, you know, I'm, I'm ministering to folks. We, I walk down to the altar. I'm praying for people. They're playing in the worship. You know, I've finished preaching, and I'm laying hands on people. And he's sitting right there the whole time. Again, the whole time, he's mean mugging me. You, you remember that from the 90s? He's mean mugging me the whole time. And so I just, I couldn't take any more. I walk over to him. I sit down. They're worshiping. People are singing, still on stage. They're praying for people. And he says, uh, I said, man, I said, how you doing? He goes, Okay. I said, uh, I said, uh, you having a good time? He goes, not really. Well, that offends me. I'm the one preaching. I want to say, pow, pow, you having a good time now? Pick those teeth up. I bet you're not having a good time, sucker. And so, <laughs> and so <laughs> he looks at me, he goes, let me ask you something. I said, yeah, anything, man. I'm trying to love on him. I mean, you, you know, you're a 19-year-old, like, I'm trying to give you attention. And he says, uh, he said, let me ask you something. How do I know you're not just like my dad? My dad, the one who's a pastor? Oh, yeah, the dad who just ran off with, our, with the secretary last week and abandoned my mom and me and my two brothers? And, oh, the great church that you talk about, how great the church is? Oh, yeah. See, we live in the parsonage, and the elders have now come since my dad's gone and abandoned the church. They've kicked us out of the parsonage, and we have to have somewhere to live, uh, live by Monday, and we have no money and no income, and dad's gone. We don't know where he's at. How do I know you're not just like him, a fake and a hypocrite? How do I know that? And so I look at him. Now, see, most of you guys, you're all so sweet and empathetic. Oh, but I grew up in the hood. And before I knew it, I, I don't know what happened. I just went, hold up. You don't know me. All right, you don't know nothing about me. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know where I come from. You don't know how much I love Jesus and how much he's brought. And you standing here mean mugging me for three days. And I, and I, I don't know what happened. Next thing I know, I said, you know what? You're an idiot. You are stupid. And let me tell you why. Because you've been sitting here for the last three days. And I'm so sorry what your daddy did, but I'm not your daddy. And I'm so sorry that the church is doing it. I'm not that church. But let me tell you something. You're an idiot. Because the only person on the entire planet and the entire atmosphere that can help you is Jesus Christ. And he's sending sitting here every day trying to get your attention and instead of letting him love on you instead of letting him help you you've been pushing him away and pushing him away and mean mugging me the whole time you an idiot what you should do is get down on your face and ask God to help me but because you've grown up in church because you're so familiar and you think you've got God wrapped up in a box you have little love for him and what you ought to do is fall down on your face and ask him to forgive you that's what you ought to do and he goes you're right and he falls down on his face starts weeping and crying I was like I was like I can't believe that worked. That was amazing. <laughs> then I felt kind of guilty. So I was like, man, I'm sorry. But Jesus, come help this kid. <laughs> but you know what he needed was a dose of reality. He had become so familiar with Jesus that he had no respect and no love for him. He had become Simon the Pharisee. Guys, let us not become Simon the Pharisee. Let us not go to church every week, hear Bible study stuff, and go to small group and listen to so-and-so's podcast and blah, 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 and go through Beth Moore's, all her studies, and not have any deep, biting, crazy love for Jesus. May we not have little love, but may we have much love and remember what he's brought us through. And know that he has protected us in times that we got ourselves in stupidity. Knowing that he has been there for us, let us not become so familiar that we treat him with disrespect. You know why marriages destroy themselves? Because people become so familiar that they stop being special to one another. 
Same thing happens in our relationship with the Lord. It stops being special. And that's what happened to Simon. Here's the second. I'm preaching myself happy. Here's the second thing that causes little love. And that is when we, Jesus called it forgiven little. He said forgiven little. He calls little, forgiven little, little love. And these are people that feel like they're owed something. These are people who say, well, I don't really, you know, I don't really, you know, I, he owes me because I've been faithful. I can't tell you how many times in counseling I've been told this by people. Let me tell you something. I've been faithful to my wife. I, pr- I tied to the church. I gave money to the church. I have, I have prayed on the way to work once a week. I have, and they start going through the list of all the good things. And, and why won't God do this for me? I've only asked him to do this one thing for me. You know what the problem is? They think that they are without the need to be pardoned. We all are sinners. Let me tell you something. If you hadn't sinned yet this morning, wait till you get out in the parking lot. We all need to be pardoned. We all need grace. Come on, somebody will say amen right there. We all need to recognize that we have been forgiven much. And as a result, we should love much. But oh, we think we've, we've not needed a whole lot of God's grace because we, we live it right. We do it good. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. I love Jesus' illustration to combat this concept. He says, and let me put it in our terms for today. There's two fellows that went out and bought half a million dollar homes, 500,000. The one fellow bought it, and after 10 years, all he had done was barely even paid the interest, still owed half a million dollars, and started default, lost his job and could not pay. Another guy, much more responsible, bought half a million dollar house, and man, he made double payments for 10 years and got that half a million all the way down to only $50,000. But also lost his job, had no way to pay it, and was going to default on the loan. And how does Jesus' story go? But the lender came and said, you know what? You've tried harder than this one, so as a result, you go to jail, but you don't. When, was, when, when will the bank do that to you? Let me just let, answer me that. It doesn't matter how much you owe. It's that you're not paying anymore. You are default. And Jesus says, you may be comparing yourself, Simon, to her and saying that she's half a million and you're only 50,000. But when I see it, you're still default on the loan. You still owe because no man can cover their own sin. Only I can cover your sin. And for you to be ungrateful, for you to think that you don't have as much forgiveness to be bestowed upon you is foolishness. And that's why you love little. Can I tell you something? You need to have an awakening of how good God's been to you and me. Every now and then, he shakes me. And so, you lost your mind acting like you did some of this. Acting like your gifting's got you all there. It's my grace and mercy that has drawn people to this church is what God tells me all the time. Ain't you. You're a good preacher. You're an idiot. But I use you in spite of that. And I fall on this crazy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! Then the tears start flowing. I start throwing my hands up. Come on. I start giving stuff away. It's awesome. Here's the third. Here's the third. Here's the third reason that little love happens. And that is because we've forgotten where we've come from. We've forgotten where we've come from. Some of you have forgotten what he delivered you out of. Or you say, well, I didn't come from anything. My parents were great. My grandparents... Well, you forgot where your great-grandparents came from. Then. See, you get to live on the great decisions that they made, but not to mention, maybe you didn't come out of wickedness. But let me just tell you this, you could have been down in wickedness were it not for grace. 
Don't you forget His staying power to hold you and to sustain you and protect you and pull you out. I'm going to tell you, some of you need to remember that you were making some dumb decisions back in the day. I've sat with men who said, oh God, oh God, if you'll get me out of this prison cell, I'll serve you with all of my heart. Oh God. God does a miracle. They throw the case out. And before you know it, they write back in the same wickedness. Ungrateful. Loving little instead of loving much. You say, oh, I never got myself in trouble. Yeah, but it was God's hand that kept you from losing. I mean, think about it. You could have been in a car accident. You could have lost a child. You could, you, you could have two, two legs cut out from under you and you have prosthetics. God has been good to you. Do not forget what you've come from and where you've come, what you've come through. Don't forget how good he's been. Here's the fourth and final. Stay with me. Fourth and final. And that is selfishness. What causes little love? Selfishness. When your prayers are always about you and nobody else, it's proof that you're selfish. Selfishness. What Simon was doing was he was comparing her sin versus his sin, and his sin was little in his eyes, and her sin was great. I always love that passage that Jesus talks about. The two men were before the Lord worshiping. One was a great you know, pharisaical person. He looked over at the man next to him who was a tax collector. And he says, God, I thank you I'm not like him. I thank you that I pay tithes and I don't act like that wicked one. He said, and then the other guy beats on his chest and says, Lord, I'm wicked. Thank you for having grace and mercy on me. And Jesus said, which of those went forgiven? He said, the one who beat on his chest. And the other one went without being forgiven. Friend, can I tell you something? Do not be selfish. Do not let selfish, vain, you know, conceit Rule the way you view what God has done for you. You don't deserve anything. I don't deserve anything, but he's given us everything. And as a result, we can love much. When you love little, it's because you're focusing everything about what you didn't get and how you didn't get it happened the way you wanted it to be. Jesus closes out this interaction by looking at this woman, and he says a statement that you need to get. He says, love, paraphrasing, your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. You know what the, the key between much love and little love is? It's faith. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That you would let me be your son. That you would allow me to serve you on a daily basis. That is the greatest opportunity of my life. And I thank you for it. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter if they take my car away. It doesn't matter if this breaks down or this situation doesn't go the way. You are God and I will serve you with all of my heart. That faith is what she had as she stood there crying and the tears are flowing and then she drops down on her knees. She is faith that this is the Messiah. This is the one who can pardon sins. This is the one who's changed her life. This is the one who set her on a new path. She has that faith. Simon, on the other hand, is standing there in judgment like, uh, if you really were a prophet, you not even, not only are you not the Messiah, I don't even think you're a prophet because if you were, you would not let this woman touch you. See the difference? One has got full faith in Jesus. The other one doesn't doubt, that has full of doubt that whether or not he's even a prophet prophet much less the messiah when you and i come to the place we say he's god he's god in my finances he's god in this marriage he's god and i put faith in him and i will worship him and i will serve him no matter what happens that faith was the key and the difference between much love and little love that's the difference do you believe that he's the king of kings and the lord of lords do you believe that it's him who protected you from getting in that car accident a couple of years? Do you believe that he is watching over you and ordering your steps? Right? Do you believe that it's he who got you that job and not you in your own strength and your own power? Do you believe 
that he, on that day, will welcome you into heaven and say, well done, good and faithful. Do you believe? Because if you don't, this is where the breakdown's at. He said, your faith has saved you. See, when he pardoned her, at some point, her response was much love. She didn't give him much love, and then he pardoned her, because then you'd be working for your salvation. She responded. I think some of our responses has been broken. And it is my job today to encourage you this week, come back to the place you say, Lord, thank you. I don't deserve it. Instead of looking at that house as something you don't like and wish you had something else, Lord, thank you for an opportunity to worship freely in this, in this home. Lord, I don't like the people I work with, but I love you and you put me here and I trust you. My faith is in you. And so I can worship, I can be excited in spite of the fact that I don't like my environment. Much love versus little love. Would you stay with me all across the room? You guys have been magnificent this morning. Thank you so much for your kindness. Would you reach over and grab that hand of that person next to you for a moment? My prayer is that we as one church, one body, can be full of much love. He or she who's been forgiven much loveth much. Those who've been forgiven little loveth little. Jesus doesn't forgive little. That was a play on words. See, he forgives much. What happened was Simon didn't recognize how much he had been pardoned over. His ungratefulness caused him to think that it was not needed. That grace wasn't needed for him because he was working it out in his own strength. Oh, but friend, you and I must recognize it was God that got you here this morning. It was God that woke you up. You could have had a brain aneurysm in the middle of the night. It is God that causes your lungs to work properly. It is God working on your behalf to help you get that job. Yes, you did your part. You studied to show yourself approved. Yes, you've been faithful. But it's God opening doors and shutting doors. It's God that kept you from marrying that person five years ago. It's God at working your grace and mercy bestowed upon us. And our response should be an emotional response. Our response should have a physical element to it. Clapping and singing and shouting His goodness. And that it should have some value. Sacrifice associated with it. That's what she did. And He called her one who had much love. Father, I pray for our congregation. Every man and woman in our church. Those watching the podcast. Those standing here live with us, oh God. Lord, I pray right now that we would be men and women that have much love. Lord, I pray that we would recognize what you've done for us who you are, that we put our full faith, abiding faith in you, Lord. And as a result of that, Lord, no fear, no fear of what life can bring, but knowing, knowing that you are good. Lord, may we never be like Simon the leper. Lord, may we never be like this Pharisee, Lord God, who somehow became so familiar with Christianity or, if you will, religiosity, that he lost the real gratefulness for all that God had done for his life. Lord, I pray right now that we would be grateful, that we would be full of love, that, Lord God, we couldn't wait to tell other people about the love of our life and about the pardon that's been handed down to us, about the daily mercies that are renewed in us. Lord God, about the daily, daily substance, that, that, that provisions that you give to us and sustain us oh God may we be quick to show our love and may we Lord God may we constantly grow in that love you just release the hand of that person next to you for just a moment give me about 90 more seconds every head bowed and every eye closed if you're not a Christian but today you want to become one if you've not allowed Jesus to pardon your sins you've never asked for help you've tried to do it in your own strength today's your day 
I won't embarrass you. I won't call you out. But I want to give you an opportunity to have a private moment with God. I know we're in a public place. I know there are people standing around. But every head is bowed and every eye is closed. And this is your moment to ask Jesus to forgive you. This is your moment to give him the doorknob of your heart and let him come in. Frank, can I explain something to you today? We're all wicked, saved by grace. None of us in this room are better than you. None of us in this room are sinless. We've all just been forgiven and we've been pardoned. And I, wanna, I want you to know Jesus is offering that same pardon to you. If you're not a Christian, if you were to die today, you know you wouldn't go to heaven. Don't let this, don't let this be the case another moment. Let's have Jesus come into our life. You say, well, Pastor, I, I want that. What do I do? The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, he will forgive you. He'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So this is that moment. No one's looking around. Would you acknowledge that to yourself and to the Lord? If you're not right with God, would you say, Pastor, that's me, and I want you to pray with me. If that's how you feel, I want you to throw your hand up right where you're at, and I'll pray for you. Thank you, sweet love. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Thanks for your honesty. Come on, two more seconds. Throw it up. Put it back there. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put it back down. Thank you for your thanks. Thanks for being real. Amen. I, I said you can put it back down. Thank you for your honesty. Now, what I want to do for those that lifted your hand, I'm, I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to try to, you know, make a spectacle of you. This is a private moment with you and God. And what I want you to do is I, I want you to pray and I want you to ask him to come into your life. I want you to receive the forgiveness, the pardon that he's paid for. and Let your sins be, be thrown as far as the east is to the west, the Bible says. He, he'll cover them all. They'll, they'll not be counted against you anymore. And so you say, well, Pastor... What do we do? This is it. I want to lead you in a prayer of repentance. In fact, I'm going to ask everyone in the audience to pray that out loud with you. And as we pray that, I want you who lifted your hand to mean it. Let this be sincere. Let it be real. Say it like this. Say, Jesus. Jesus. No, come on. Everybody out loud. Jesus, Jesus. Today, today, I surrender, I surrender. My, life, my life, my desires. My desires. I'm, tired I'm tired of running away. So today, I run to you, Jesus. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to pardon me. I receive your grace. I receive your mercy. I can't make it right. I can't fix it. Only you can. And so today, write my name in your book of life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I promise to serve you all the days of my life. And here and now, I declare, Jesus is my Lord head bow for a moment. Father, I pray for every man and woman who prayed that, maybe for the first time. Maybe a coming home prayer. They've been away from you. God, I pray they would feel your forgiveness. Like they really feel it. Lord, like when after you get back together with an old girlfriend and you feel it, you feel the reconnection. Lord, I pray that they would sense that, that you love them. They don't have to perform for it. They don't have to act good for it. That you, Lord God, have forgiven them. Now, Lord, let that real response of love happen. Lord, may tears kind of well up today at some point when they recognize that that's not held against them anymore. Lord, may there, may there be a physical reaction and say, you know what, i got to, I got to say thank you. i got to shout out, thank you, God. And Lord God, may you take what has been so valuable as we give it to you freely. Lord, tonight, today, change us forever in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.